0: What does motion sound like? With Kizik Han's free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks.
1: Hey, Represent listeners. As you know, whenever you're talking politics, especially in this current administration, you have to give your episodes a timestamp. So here I am doing just that. This episode was recorded on January 9th at 4 p.m.
0: Hey everyone, I'm Ayesha Harris, and welcome to this special bonus episode of Represent. In his first year as president, Trump made good on his campaign promise to repeal DACA, otherwise known as Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, setting its expiration date in March 2018. DACA, which was created under the Obama administration in 2012, protects young, unauthorized immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children, offering them temporary relief of two years from deportation and a permit to work legally after which they are able to apply for renewal. While DACA does not provide a path to legal status, it does allow them to obtain a driver's license and apply for financial aid to college. Tensions in Congress right now are very high. Trump explicitly threatened DACA while reiterating his desire to build a wall. So
1: we want the wall. The wall's going to happen, or we're not going to have
0: DACA. Now time is running out. The deadline for Congress to pass the spending bill is January 19th, and Democrats are threatening to block these efforts if they include funding for a wall. And all this could lead to a government shutdown and complicate Congress's actions on DACA before it officially expires on March 5th. Okay, so... Why Are We Represent, a podcast about film, TV, and pop culture, giving you a current events briefing on a huge, thorny political issue? Well, DACA affects some seven hundred to 800,000 young people who are just trying to go to work or school without fear of deportation, many of whom are people of color who have spent most of their lives living in the U.S. And politics, of course, affects every corner of life, including entertainment. Just ask Bamba John Bamba, a prolific actor who's been seen in Suicide Squad, The Good Place, and appears in the upcoming Black Panther movie. Bamba was born in the Ivory Coast, and when he was 10 years old, his family fled to the U.S. seeking political asylum. He's one of the dreamers who stands to lose everything he's worked for while living here for the last 25 years. In late November last year, he made his undocumented status public with the hashtag #StandWithBamba campaign, And with such a timely issue playing out in Congress right now, we wanted to hear about how Congress's inaction stands to affect his career and family. So it is a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the show, Bamba. Uh,
2: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be talking with you ladies.
0: Yeah, same. So I want to just dig into it. You've you've talked Mm -hmm. about uh, in the past, you've talked about not realizing status as undocumented uh Correct. Or realizing what that was until you were in, in a high school or in a teenager and could you talk a bit more about that period of realization and what that was like for you
2: yeah um well i didn't really know until i started applying for uh for colleges and universities you know after high school so yeah as a senior so what that was like is i mean i'm just a regular teenager um Uh, doing theater. I was even in the newspaper as a tennis star and and, and rising actor, you know, in the school. Um, And the same year, I was like homecoming king. So I was like riding on the the high little wave. And I figured, you know what, I'm just gonna become an actor and, you know, go from there. So when I started applying, there was um, no option for me to get financial aid. Like, the FASFA was, you know, freaking out. So mm-hmm. I asked my parents and to try to figure out what's going on, and that's when they kind of broke down to me um, what my status meant. So, uh, in more in a little bit more detail, basically, uh, my parents applied for political asylum, and that asylum case was still pending. Mm-hmm. So, a pending asylum case meant that I, I was. "Quote unquote undocumented," hmm. so nothing permanent was done yet. So I couldn't avail myself to any financial aid or any scholarships. Wow. So yeah, that kind of sucked, and you you kind of feel like your wings are clipped. And you don't know what to do. And you almost feel like, hey, maybe I could just wash dishes in a restaurant. But um, my parents kind of supported me and encouraged me to continue pursuing um, this career in acting. And I found a school um, in New York City called the Conservatory of Film and Dramatic Arts. And they, they helped me pay for it. And I drove yellow cabs to, you know, make ends meet.
0: Wow. Uh, that's that's crazy i mean did you did your parents have an idea before you started applying or it, or did you have any siblings and and or were you the first one to kind of go through this process um and they were kind of learning with with you as you went along
2: yeah i did do have siblings but i was the first one to kind of go through the process go to university and all of that mm. so they they were all i mean like Regular parents, right? When your first kid goes to college, you're still you're trying to figure everything out. So they were going through that on top of, you know, the status and what that meant for for me.
0: Mm. I mean, so there's this common refrain that that obviously has some truth to it. Um, Although sometimes I do wonder if we overplay this, mm-hmm. this stereotype but usually often the immigrant parents don't want their kids to go into the arts because it's not quote-unquote practical um, it, it's it's seen sort of more of as a privilege for people who have more money or who you right. know are, who are here and don't have to worry about you know being deported so it sounds right. and kind of it's kind of surprising to me I think that they were so supportive of you and helped and they helped you pay for school like what are they loving of the arts or did did you ever have that back and forth with them before they supported you?
2: Well, i I don't know i i kind of and they're african so there's even more of a stereotype that you just got to be a lawyer a doctor an engineer right
1: yes i can attest to that verilynn here attesting to that
2: (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly so i was even surprised and i actually think what made them believe was one day i I think i was doing the play my senior year it was um A Little Shop of Horrors, and Ah. I was the
0: ditches, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. My dad came to to the play with my sister, my mom, and you know, they were all stressing him out about getting flowers. And he was like, flowers. Why why does he need flowers? You know, <laughs> what, what's his flowers thing? Aww. And then we go, he goes there and he sees the entire audience. Everyone's like cracking up after every line that I give. And then when the play's over, they're all praising my work and all and giving me flowers. And he actually left and went to get flowers hours and come back.
0: That's such a sweet story.
2: Right? I kind of feel like he was just made a believer because he just came to see. And I've been acting in school for years. And this was the first time, you know, I guess my mom convinced him to come check it out. I was shocked myself. And, you know, my dad's a lover of movies, so maybe somewhere deep down inside he was like, huh, maybe this love of films influenced my kid. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really don't know. But I'm definitely grateful. And I'm hoping that more African parents would do the same thing.
0: Yeah. So I want to move to the present day because you You obviously were able to make it work, and you've been very prolific uh, in in your work on screen. but as we mentioned already you came you came out in a way uh, you came forward and admitted publicly that you are undocumented can you mm-hmm. and I, I think one of the things about that is that it 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 takes a lot it's brave of you, I think, um, especially considering the times we're living in now. Can you describe yeah. what made you? want to go public about this and how have you like what has it been like for you since coming out as the undocumented
2: so um honestly for a long time uh you know with Obama and before even Obama, the whole immigration thing has just been up and down in in the government and in Congress and they haven't Given us any permanent solution for a long time, actually all my life. So every time um, the politicians hint at, oh, we're gonna we're working on this immigration reform, like my heart would freeze because I know what it means for me and my career and my family. So. When Obama finally got DACA passed, it was great because it was like, hey, I could continue working. I I don't have to be in fear anymore, and and things are getting better. But then when um, recently in September, when Trump and his administration decided to, to rescind DACA and literally cancel it, um. I kind of had another moment where my heart stopped again, like, man, does this mean that all this progress we've made, all this can be lost? So, I had to make a decision. And honestly, it was my daughter. I kind of looked at my daughter. She's just turned one years old. And, you know, I want her to grow up in this country. I want to protect her. I want to be here for her and for my wife. So that's when I decided I, I just couldn't be silent anymore. I couldn't be scared anymore, especially in the face of so many undocumented young people with With a lot less than I have as far as career and all that, who are willing to put everything on their line, who are fighting on the front lines, who are getting themselves locked up for the cause. I just felt like I'd be a fraud if I was just, you know, hiding in fear. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided, look, I I need to use this voice that I have, the platform that God has given me. And ever since, it it really has been a confirmation that it has to do with my purpose because it's opened like uh, a lot of doors that I think wouldn't be opened for me generally. So, for example, um, I, I mean, the message has kind of gone viral. I, I did a video with um, this organization called Define American, and they're a great organization that helps undocumented people share their story and announce their status Um if you go to their website, you will see they have a portal specifically for that. So when I teamed up with them, they helped me put a video together, and then we were, you know, on all the news outlets. And I really feel like um, we made a difference. Uh, a lot of people just think that immigrants are um, Mexicans, right? And when i came out or when i announced my status like it changed their perception a little bit they like man this guy is african he's articulate and he's an actor and you know these big a list tv shows and um, movies that are coming out so ultimately my goal was Tell my story so that people can know me can can hear um, what i've been through and hopefully um, be a little bit more open minded about um, daca about dreamers about immigration reform
0: yeah you know? i mean it's yeah. it's interesting that you say that um, about people seeing you and seeing someone who's been in movies, who's who's articulate? Because it, it it really the the thing about it, I think, is crazy. And granted, this is like it's not the exact same thing as the Me Too movement, but in a way, <laughs> often the the way that people's perceptions are changed is when they see someone who uh, does not fit the stereotype or who is. Right. Uh, Better off, I should say, or or has a higher quote unquote higher status uh, within society. Uh, whether it's someone like you who's working in movies, um, mm-hmm. or the women with the Me Too movement who are also working in movies and who are you know Hollywood correct. people, um, correct, it, and the people who are not as high up in that in that position are it 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 takes it takes someone like you to to do that. Um, and I just wish that we could just see people <laughs> as as humans and, and people I think it's great that you're doing it that's not to discount what you're doing at all and I'm, no, I know absolutely it's great but um yeah it's just it's telling that 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 it takes that for people to recognize that this is bigger it's a bigger deal uh than what some people might think
2: exactly exactly and I mean we, we we're also facing uh, you know as far as Immigrants are concerned, you know the stereotypes that were really amplified in a negative way when um, Trump came into office. Mm-hmm. You know the whole criminal criminalization, criminal was yeah. you know all that stuff. So um, we we really. Uh, I encourage people like to, to share their stories, too, to put a face to the issue. Because, you know, when someone sees you and hears your story, you humanize, um, you humanize this, uh, I guess, uh, very controversial issue that they don't really know that much about. So when you tell your story, they're like, wow, oh, my God, he could be my neighbor or, you know, he, I don't know, he's helping out my kids. He's a teacher or... He's in medical school, you know, and it can help them have a more open mind to it yeah, so
0: can you yeah. t- can you talk a bit about the b- before you announced that you were undocumented? what was it like for you to to sort of move through the film industry while not being doc- undocumented? I'm assuming your employers knew or I don't know if they did, but how what was it like for you to navigate because you talked about you know having your heart you, you felt you would freeze every time it would come in the right. news. So, like, what was that experience like?
2: Well, I mean, the, the thing is you're, um, you're always, like, walking on eggshells, just generally, right, um, as someone who's undocumented. Because any little problem, like, you know, a broken, uh, a brake light, can become a big issue not only you know i'm black in america so that comes with its own things but at the same time because um i have this like undocumented status it could mean deportation you know, so you're working on headshells. you're trying not to break any laws, you're just walking like this perfect line. And then in Hollywood, it's it's like you avoid any kind of projects that are shooting outside of the country, because um, you know how challenging it could be to come back, or you may not even be able to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes... um, you know, sometimes I was in auditions for, for projects I shot outside of the country. And in my heart, I'm like, you know what, God, if this is meant for me, you'll make a way. Right. And, um, you know, you get in the audition room and you just freeze like your your body tension just takes over and fear just paralyzes you. I've, I've had a couple of those incidences, not because I wasn't prepared, but just because of this underlying thing that um, we had to deal with. But since coming out and since DACA happened, you're you're, you you. can speak a little bit louder. You can share um, your story and realize that it won't get you deported.
1: So much of your story, Bamba, resonates with me. And, you know, in full disclosure to our audience, I was undocumented and didn't get a green card until I was 21. And the thing is then and now when I tell people my story, they are shocked because I think the image that most people have of an undocumented person is someone that snuck across the quote-unquote border.
2: Here's where I can. I think the misunderstandings happen. Like, uh, w- there's a difference between people from Africa and people from the Caribbeans who come from America, come to America, and become undocumented. Most people have to come here with a visitor's visa, as a refugee seeking asylum, or as students or in a work visa. So you, you I mean, the the chances of you just crossing. The Atlantic Ocean and swimming over are very <laughs> slim to none or the Pacific Ocean, wherever you're coming from. Right. If you're black. So when you come in, you most of the time you already have like um, diet, like a Social Security card or some kind of documentation because you entered legally. Now, most people lose their status or become undocumented when um, for some reason or another, uh, you know, their their visa expires or their student um their, their their student visa expires or um, they apply for some kind of immigration adjustment of status and it doesn't work. So then that's kind of how you become undocumented and you're in limbo. And, I mean, it becomes very challenging once whatever visa you had first expires because it's almost like a, um, uh, I guess you become illegal and then there's – the chances of you adjusting your status are slim to none. So most people are just here trying to figure out a way to adjust their status. Mm -hmm. And that's the main problem with the system. And that's why it's broken, because people are here. People are doing everything they can. Maybe they've made a mistake. Maybe they were too young to adjust their status, you know. So that's why the system's broken, because there's a lot of people, like hundreds and thousands, millions of people who just lost their status for one reason or another Uh are could be married to American citizens but because of something that happened in the past, they can't adjust their status. So that's why we're asking them to reform the system so it can be more of an updated um, current system that works for people um, today.
1: Well, Can I can I challenge you on something? Is it that they can't update their status or they're afraid to admit the wrongdoing? Because I know sometimes it's like it will mean maybe going back to for, in my case at one point going back to Sierra Leone mm-hmm. and applying for something because you're afraid you're not going to come in Mm -hmm. so I think fear plays a big part in the aspect of adjusting your status
2: yeah absolutely fear plays I mean fear is probably the main reason why people lose their status because they're so scared of the system that and they don't understand it there's this whole fear around it so that some most of the time they're victims to lawyers that give them bad advice or don't even file the case that they pay for. Some, some instances you have to go back, but a lot of instances, I mean, if you're already here and you're not breaking any laws and you're doing what's right, especially if you have a family or you're married to an American citizen, you should have the opportunity to adjust your status. That, I mean, that's, that's all I'm saying,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? Well, so we're now at this point where we have Trump who at least as as recently as over the weekend on Saturday, he mm-hmm. was saying, you know, DACA could happen, but only if we build that wall. And they have <clears throat> Congress has until March to sort of right. decide on this. So mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? What what do you think? Are you feeling optimistic about this uh, or not so much based on just everything that we see, all the scrambling we're seeing and the Democrats not exactly being the most uh, forceful uh, right. crew that we could hope for at this time? It's,
2: it's it's really challenging because even today, a couple of hours ago, they had the bipartisan meeting around DACA with Trump, with Schumer, mm-hmm. with... Um, all, all of them in the room just talking in front of the camera. And you hear Trump say things like, oh, yeah, we're going to take care of DACA. That's not even a problem. And then an hour later, we're just going to do immigration reform. We can do that. I have faith. And then he turns around and says, we need a wall. We can't have anything without a wall. So there's a lot of mixed messages. There's just, um, I mean, and the thing is, it's hard to take a lot of the, the words that they say to heart, because it can change the next day on Twitter. You know what I mean? So for me, I feel like because they're having these meetings, because it's on the agenda, there's some kind of hope compared to before when no one was talking about it. There was no movement. So for me, when I see that, I'm like, hey, that means there's some kind of good faith. Now, I also have to say that because, you know, the administration that we have is the administration that we have, and because um, the House and the Senate is controlled by Republicans, it's going to be very challenging to get everything immigrants want without... Bargaining or without giving them something back, so that's where the challenge is for people who are for immigration, or for reform, or for a Dream Act. Like we, we don't have a lot of control. The only control we have right now is, I think there's a deadline of January nineteenth, right. where they have to vote for the for the budget. So they need some Democrats to to push that forward. So that's kind of the only card we're pushing, and I feel like this is. The 19th is our last opportunity because if they push it one more time, it lands right on like March 5th, which is the actual deadline. So
0: do you think do you think they they move too slowly, the Democrats? Because, I mean, like you said, they they, there wasn't really much movement happening before the holidays. And now we have this date and it's like that's almost about the midpoint of when Trump first announced this. Definitely. I just feel like.
2: I don't know. It's a little frustrating because you know that when Republicans want something, they go for it head first. And, right. you know, they just make it happen. I just wish the Democrats did the same thing. But, um, you know, all we could do is fight. There's a bunch of um, young immigrants. There's uh, young immigrant groups who are out there um, in D.C. who are marches in the streets all around the nation who are in their offices. I mean, we're, we're going to hold them to task.
0: Well, before we let you go, I have to ask you a uh, less fraught question <laughs> about Black Panther, <laughs> <laughs> which which you are going to be a part of. Now, what what is your role? Because I'm I'm still Black Panther. I'm uh, very excited for it, but I'm not yeah. familiar with all the characters. So, who well, are you nice. playing?
2: Well, I'm um I'm a military leader in in Black Panther. So, and, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot of uh uh war action scenes and um yeah, I'm the leader of uh of like a group of militants.
0: Awesome. So, what is are there any what, how excited should I be? <laughs> 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 am, am, am I too am I too excited? Are we all too excited? Be honest. <laughs> I feel like this is, like, one of the blackest things to ever happen ever in American movie history. Yeah. And yeah. it must be, like, so awesome for you to have been a part of that. And
2: Man, <laughs> I'm so grateful to be a part of this film. I mean, it's going to just break so many records. And I have to tell you, it is as sexy, amazing, um, you know, just beautiful, as you can imagine it, like what you think it's going to be, it's going to be even more than that. Because I mean, from what I've seen, I was just blown away because oh, we, hey. we don't see, we don't see us um in, in that, in that light. So often you don't see Africa and Africans and black people being elevated to, you know, to royalty and it's sexy and it's fun and it's smart, man. We are in, we're in for, for a treat. Like, Kugler went in on this one.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> You've you, you allayed my fears. I, I believe Trust you. <laughs>
2: me. Trust me. It's not one of those that the trailer's amazing and you go to the trailer. I mean, you go to the movie and you're like, womp, womp.
0: <laughs> this
2: I mean, the the women bring it. The men bring it. It's sexy. It's fun. It's edgy. It's royalty. I mean, I need to stop talking before I say something I'm not supposed <laughs> to say. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, before I let you go, one final question really quickly. Um, What is the last thing and you can't okay, so you can't say Black Panther. uh, And you can't say any you can't say anything that you have been a part of. Uh, So what is the last time? When is the last time you feel as though you saw yourself on screen? Whether it's, you know, as a black man, as an immigrant, as a man, as a person, whatever, you just felt connected, like you could see yourself represented in that movie or character or TV show.
2: Oh, when's the last time I saw myself in the movie TV show? The first thing that comes to mind, I I have to say, is um, This Is Us and Sterling's character mm. um, in in that show. I still need to catch up. But the first season, I mean, it's just it's just blew me away of just how um, like, yeah, he's a black man on this show or in this show, in this family. But he just fits in so well. Like, it's not like the black thing is 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 this thing he carries like a like a burden on his shoulder like when i move around the world yeah i know that i'm a black man but i don't see myself as that and i really feel like his character like um just just brings that to light so well so i I would probably say like his character and he just won a golden globe so
1: heck yeah let's
2: (laughs) let's let's make more characters like that
0: yeah his speech at the golden globes was great where he talked about having a character who is specifically black Mm -hmm. uh, but like is also human and and three-dimensional and and finally feeling like you're being seen uh as a as a black man in a, mm-hmm. in, a in a good way, so in a, yeah. in an
2: amazing and I mean this guy has been in the business for decades. He's played like one liners here and there for decades, mm-hmm. and just to see him shine right now gives us all hope. Yeah, you know,
0: agreed. Yeah. Well, that's a great choice. And thank you so much. If I can just
2: add like one more thing. Sure. Like, be, there, there, there's this um, petition that I have going called Stand with Bamba. So hashtag Stand with Bamba. Yep. We'll link to uh, it for sure. Right. So uh, people can go to defineamerican.com forward slash Bamba and they can sign a petition that basically encourages Hollywood to stand with immigrants because they're immigrants at every level of the industry. And other industries are fighting for um, their employees who are immigrant who are undocumented. And I'm, I'm like holding the flag to push and encourage big studios and production companies to do the same. So if you could share that, I would really, really appreciate it.
0: We most certainly will. And again, thank you so much. And w- we really hope that this does not uh, turn out the way that it, we're, it seems like it might. I hope that you and your family and other families don't have to fear um, being kicked out of this country for very bad reasons. Um, so. Yeah,
2: absolutely. We're we're fighting, though, so we're not going to go out without a fight.
0: Good. That's what I like to hear. Thank you.
2: Thank you for amplifying the message. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. The website you can go to to sign the petition is defineamerican.com slash Bamba. And that's B-A-M-B-A. Represent is produced by the lovely, awesome Marilyn Williams, our excellent social media assistant is Marissa Martinelli, and our intro-outro music is performed by the Sweet San Francisco Funk Soul Band Midtown Social. And don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page, Slate Represent. Until next time.